From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hello, radio family. Welcome aboard. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you'll be with us for the duration. Another great show coming your way. And uh, before we get started, just a couple of... Some house cleaning, if you will. Yeah, house cleaning. Uh, we're cleaning up in that other room there. David Gaskin. Am I speaking out of school, David? Can I announce to the world? Is it okay? All right. David Gaskin, who is my third technical producer. He's more than a technical producer. Since I arrived here three years ago, past uh, August 16th, he just announced that he's leaving. And I don't know whether it's this show, whether it's me. My first technical producer was Dan Ellison. And after a little less than a year, Dan said, I've had enough. I'm leaving. He didn't have a job lined up. He just wanted to hit the road and find himself. Like there's something, this program, I think, gets my producers thinking about those deep questions, which is a good thing. And um, I don't know, maybe pulls the reality out from under their feet and then they go running and screaming in the other direction. I must I must find the answers. And then I had uh, Griffin March, who was another good technical producer. Uh, he left. He actually had another job waiting for him. David Gaskin, when I came in tonight, he said, Richard, I'm leaving and I'm going to Kathmandu. I swear to God, Kathmandu. He's on the road to find himself. And I hope you find yourself. Just don't join any cults or anything like that. I don't want to see you in an airport with a tambourine, you know, in six months, David. But uh, anyway, we've got a few weeks to say goodbye. You're leaving at the end of September, and then we'll introduce you to the new guy, Tim, who's sitting in there learning the ropes. Tim, you've got big shoes, or I guess in David's case, uh, sandals to fill. <laughs> David's a very spiritual, calm individual. Yeah, don't join a cult. We're going to talk about, well, what some see as a cult, the Freemasons. Some see it as a, uh, a misunderstood fraternity, happens to be one of the oldest and one of the biggest, the Freemasons. Others see something a little more nefarious afoot, including my uh, first guest. I had the great pleasure of, um, of meeting, I'm not going to tell you where I met Ed Decker. It's somewhere in the lower 48 states, and that's all I'm going to tell you, because he has to keep his location kind of secret, because he's been... He's been keeping his eye on uh, on uh, Freemasonry for quite some time, and according to him, they don't like it, and uh, he's had a couple of attempts on his life, and we'll learn about that as well. Ed Decker is a retired pastor, broadcaster, author of The Dark Side of Freemasonry, and what you need to know about the Masons. Ed, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend? I'm all good. Can you hear me? I can. How are you feeling these days? I'm feeling great. I'm I'm doing good, and, and uh, nobody's poisoned me for a long time, and... I haven't been beaten up, shot at, or <laughs> run off the road lately. I've, I'm doing really well. Terrific, and and we will we will talk a little bit about some of your close calls. Now let's um, let's just dive right in here. We 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 have an hour to discuss what would probably could probably fill up um, a month of uh, three hour programs. And, and now I know you you have a radio show. Do you talk about Freemasons? Uh, yes, I do. In on fact, a nightly um, basis, or. If your listeners uh, have a pen or pencil, I can remember a thing called uh, www.deckerreport.com because my program is called the Decker Report, but deckerreport.com, or you can just go Decker Report on on an Android app or uh, an Apple app um, and pull me down. And uh, the reason I'm telling you this is because in, let me see, uh, one, one, two, three, three weeks, on my program, I, I, I put my programs up on the web, uh, on iTunes and places like that, uh, every Monday. And on the, that particular week, I'm taking the listener inside a, a, a uh, Masonic ritual, 
right into the Masonic ritual itself and leading them through it and showing them the absolute occult practices that go on at the very lowest level of Freemasonry. And then at the end, after I've done the ritual uh, of initiation to the candidate in that level, then I bring them all the way right up through all the other initiations and give you the blood oaths and I just I just open up the belly of the beast, and it's the first time I've really done it this way. They can they can just feel the sweat that the that, that's coming out of the brow of the candidate as he's swearing blood oaths to obey things he doesn't even know what they are yet. Before we launch into this discussion, Ed, I think it's it's uh, important to begin the discussion um, with just a general statement that at least this is my interpretation. You correct me if I'm wrong. That most Masons, those I guess below 33rd degree, actually believe that they're involved in a, 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 a fraternity that's that's uh, involved in, in charitable works and uh, the betterment of mankind, the betterment of self. It's a great place uh, to to network. Uh, uh, you know, well, there, there was well, a time. Yes and no. Okay. Uh, first off, I, I just wanted to um, just kick right off the off the edge of our conversation and say that. Uh, the work that you're in and that I'm in has an extremely high mortality rate, not just people who die at a young age and, and, and for various reasons, but the people who work around us. There's a heaviness, a spiritual heaviness. And, and you know, I've just learned to, when I've got somebody working with me, I was doing the technical work like, the, like at my radio show, if those people leave, you just got to bless them and know that they've gone through a heavy spiritual battle for you. And and so uh, give these guys a kiss on the cheek because they've they've been dealing with a heaviness because this is heavy stuff. Oh, you just connected some dots because I, I let off the show talking about uh, my my third technical producer leaving, and maybe that's uh, that's what's sending uh, uh, Dave Gaskin uh, packing for Kathmandu. But uh, yeah, he ought to try he ought to try Maui or you know or, or Kauai you know or Cancun you know it's a lot nicer in those places. <laughs> I've been in all of them. Hey. Uh, the, the, it's, it's the lower level, it's the blue lodge. You gotta realize that masonry is, is kind of segmented. The lower lodge, called the blue lodge, are the first three degrees of Freemasonry. And the upper level masons are, are, they call the blue lodge the outer court. <clears throat> and so, you've got all these guys who join it because it's a, a, a fraternity, their buddies are in it, and the, the boss at work is in it, and, and it is a great networking program. And where I grew up, my my family of Masonic uh, families, uh, the la- the first of my uh, ancestors that I can actually document is a great 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 grandfather type who uh, was uh, seated as a master mason in 1805 in his lodge. And so that's how far back I go. And my family uh, primarily were Blue Lodge. Masons, rural Masons, uh, and in the in in the country where I I grew up, upstate New York, actually, uh, really, I mean, out in the you know, you know, I, I when I was a kid, we had outhouse, we didn't have inside plumbing, we were we were in the country, and and the men uh, were all involved in the local Blue Lodge Masonry, and they joined together uh, at the. At the Grange, which is another Masonic organization, to buy, to to buy grain and and feed and and things necessary for our farms, 
in a cooperative way, but it was a Masonic organization that did that. And, you know, basically you had to be a, a Mason to get along with these guys, and that's what my dad did and his dad and his dad. And uh, it was good for business. Uh, um, it was good for banking, um, whatever it is that you wanted to do. If you were a Mason, you were able to acquire that because of the network program, you know, wrapping around all that. Uh, we never got into the higher levels of masonry, primarily because we were farmers, rural people. Uh, however, if you got into the cities, you got up into the, the Scottish Rite, which went up to the 32nd degree. Uh, and then you also, if you didn't go up the Scottish Rite, and someone up both sides, then you had the York Rite, which they say was Christian uh, Rite, which really wasn't. And then when you got up to the 32nd degree, you were then able to uh, apply to be a Shriner. And uh, and they, that uh, was another organization within Freemasonry. And if you were really hot and you were a judge or you were you know, a, a rich guy, you owned a factory and so forth, and you were putting money into the lodge, you would then become a 33rd degree Mason. Now, you know, and I know you do because we've discussed it, you, you know Bill Schneblin. Yes. Uh, and Bill worked for me for seven years, and, and uh, I know Bill very, very well. Bill was involved in the occult, and heavily involved in the occult, and he was also in the higher levels, the, the esoteric levels of Freemasonry, where a lot of witchcraft and Satanism and things like that went on. Those are the guys who knew what it was all about. They knew that the, the, uh, the, the average guy in Freemasonry um, didn't have a clue about the satanic ritual section, you know, and this is uh, overwhelms me because everything in Freemasonry, you, I mean, uh, Knights of the East and West and the uh, Scottish Rite, you learn the sacred name of Masonry, it's Abaddon, and you read, uh, you read in the Bible, it says that the demons of, in the pit of hell had a king over them, and his name in the, in the Hebrew was Abaddon. You're taking on Abaddon as your sacred name of Freemasonry, you know, you know wh- where's your brain? Uh, you know, particularly if you're a Christian and you read the Word and you study the Word, and suddenly you're doing things in various levels. You you, be, you be get ordained to the Melchizedek priesthood, like the Mormons do, usurping the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Uh, you, you learn that the sacred name, it, it, the Blue Lodge, is always this little game going on that you're seeking the name of deity, and and it's the lost word that you're always seeking. However, uh, you're in, in the uh, uh, Rosicrucian and, and in the in the Rosy Cross, the, the the higher levels of Mason, you learn that the sacred name of God is Jobulin, which stands for Jehovah, Baal, and Osiris, a three-headed deity. Um, so, so all these all these things are buried all inside of it. You 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 receive the white throne. Uh, you, you receive the 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 white lambskin apron in the in the entered apprentice level when you're given the apron. Once you've gone through the initiation. And you're told that this is your covering when you stand before the white throne judgment. And if you read in uh, Revelations, the white throne judgment is the judgment of the damned. Hmm. So, you know, you, you look at these things and you say, my goodness, how can... It, it seems to be cut and dried. It seems to be pretty cut and dried. Ed Decker is with us, uh, broadcaster, author of The Dark Side of Freemasonry, and also What You Need to Know About the Masons. Uh, we'll uh, step away here for a moment, come back, pick it up on the other side, and uh, we'll also open up the lines and ask you... Uh, are you a Mason? Were you a Mason and decided to quit? Are you interested in getting into the Freemasons? 
uh, and would like to know more about uh, this organization and what are your thoughts? Is this a misunderstood fraternity or is it some sort of satanic cult? Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Just took a few moments off the air and uh, called my insurance broker, who happens to be a friend of mine, just to make sure my life insurance payments were paid up. And uh, they promised me my premiums will never change going forward. Uh, talking to Ed Decker, I bring that up because we're talking about the Freemasons. And, uh, Ed, I think you raise a good point. You know, a lot of people in this business, uh, either, you know, broadcasters or researchers, uh, people like yourself, for whatever reason, we don't last too long. <laughs> and um, I want to talk to you about your run-in with the Freemasons in, in a few moments. But l- let me uh, just clear up a few points here. What first, first of all, what goes on in the initiation, the first initiation? Well, of course, for a fellow who is the initiate, he is standing at the front door of the lodge on the outside. His chest is open. Uh, he's blindfolded. Actually, they have what they call hoodwinked. In, in some uh, jurisdictions, they put an actual blindfold type of thing on him. In other ones, they put a hood over his head. And then he has a noose around his neck. And then he is supposed to be knocking at the doors, and, I, and I'm making this uh, short version. I'm leaving some things out. He's barefoot with one foot, and he's got all of his jewelry removed. His wedding ring has is, is is been taken from him. You know, basically, he's going in there as a poor wayfarer seeking the light of the lodge. They say 40%, and let's knock it down to half of what the people who say 40% say and say 20%, one out of every five Southern Baptist pastors is a Mason. As many as 40% of them are, two out of five. And, and, and what you've got are men of God who know the Word of God, and they're, they're allowing themselves to be in that kind of position, and the guy's got a knife to pretend to pierce him at his, at his chest, letting him know the threat of danger walking into the lodge. And he's seeking the light of the lodge, and he goes in and he kneels down at an altar. They move him around a bit, and they do a bunch of... A supercilious uh, ritual um, with the worshipful master and the senior steward and the senior deacon and all these other people all interact and so mode it be. They just repeat a whole bunch of stuff at the different stations and he ends up at the altar and he's kneeling there and uh, he goes through a ritual and it's almost to the point of boring. There's so much of the intricacies of the ritual, but he, when it's all done, he swears this oath. He says, all this I most solemnly, sincerely promise and swear with a firm and steadfast resolution to perform the same. Now, bear in mind, he doesn't know what he's getting into yet, but he's still swearing this oath. Without any mental reservation or secret evasion of mine, whatever, binding myself under no less penalty than, than that of having my throat cut across, my tongue torn out by its roots, and my body buried in the rough sands of the sea at low watermark, where the tide ebbs and flows twice in 24 hours, should I ever knowingly violate this, my entered apprentice obligation. So help me God and keep me steadfast in the due performance of the same. Further, I will not cheat, wrong, nor defraud a brother of this degree knowingly or supplant him in any of his laudable undertakings. And we go on for, you know, 30 degrees, and it just gets worse and worse and worse uh, on the penalties. And, uh, in the 30th degree, he's drinking uh, his, his oath uh, um, and taking uh, communion 
uh, out of a human skull, drinking wine out of a human skull and taking bread and saying that that he's the very particles of Jesus, Socrates and the Arabian iconoclast are part of him now. Now, um, these are these are pretty powerful metaphors, but what do they mean? Well, they mean basically that this man has bound himself by a blood oath of the most serious nature to the lodge and to the craft. And when they call it craft, it's more aligned with the priestcraft that you read about in Egypt and, and, in, and, and in the uh, uh, early pagan temples. And so they've sworn these oaths. And again, the Bible says, Jesus says, to swear no oath. No, well, basically, don't swear these oaths, he says, because if you do, they come from the evil one. They come from the devil. And in James, you read, it says, if you swear these oaths, they bring condemnation. That's why I'm saying, how can a pastor in his right mind do this? You know, and then he goes into the church, and his deacons and his elders are, 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 are masons. How can the Holy Spirit of God operate in a church that's run by the devil? You now, can't. they often refer to the light bearer uh, in, in uh, Masonic Well, they literature. talk about the light bearer all the time, and the light bearer is Lucifer. And how do we know that? Explain. Well, because Albert Pike described it uh, uh, very, very clearly that uh, you know we you know we bow down the the, the true the true deity is is Lucifer, the light bearer, uh, uh, Manly P. Hall, who was a Luciferian uh, and, and a high level Mason, wrote many books about it, and 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 the secrets of the dark ages, uh, and and uh, he writes about it and talks about Lucifer being the power of. Of control, you had to learn how to to control the seething energies of Lucifer to be a proper Mason. And do you think that at the higher level, thirty third degree and beyond, they are actually in communion with with Satan? Absolutely. Are they Absolutely. conjuring him? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've, I've I can't give you all the details. I've been inside the Masonic rituals, the highest level ones, and, I, and I've I've actually been inside. The House of the Temple on 16th Street in in, in Washington D.C. into the innermost levels of it, and didn't think when I was in there I wasn't sure I was going to get out alive. And 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 I was thinking this was pretty stupid because I hadn't really told anybody I was going in there. You're conjuring up images of Stanley Kubrick's uh, uh, final movie, Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> Have you seen that? No, I haven't, but <laughs> you, you, but you know about the movie. I'm ga- I'm gathering a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like that. Uh, so, you, what, what are you saying? There, you're not saying there were human sacrifices going on, are you? No, I'm not. I'm just saying that uh, it became very obvious that I was not that I was standing up against the spirits of darkness in that place, and there were men around me that were staring at me and looking at me, and I'm thinking, you know. Uh, I, I might have the Lord on my side here, but quite frankly, these guys have spiritual discernment that comes from the dark one, and I'm in the dark one's property. You know, and and uh, what am I? You know, how how can I? You know, what can I do here if suddenly something turns? Because there was I had no protection, and nobody knew I was in there. Is it fair to describe um, this fraternity, Ed, as a a cult? Hiding within a fraternity. In other words, yeah, there are I, two I do separate. That because most of the guys, that's like my dad, when I started doing some revelation in this area, 
you know, he said you. He didn't speak to me for two years. He just said you, 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 uh, you, you, uh, you're telling me that your mother and I are Satan worshippers. <laughs> My dad, you know, he, <laughs> you know, somebody asked him. He, he, we had a past forceful master. Um, who had gotten saved, and he went and talked to my dad. And my, he asked my dad. He said, "He said, are you are you a Christian? You know." And my dad said, "Of course I am an American, aren't I?" I mean, you know, that was about as deep as my dad at that time. Mm-hmm. My dad finally got really saved and set free from that, and he spent the last years of his life in a joyous time. But he had that heaviness. In fact, any time there was communion in our church, my dad would get up and leave the church. He could stay in the church while while Christian communion was being taken, because he had taken the other. Interesting. Now, is is it true that the higher Masons are sworn to deceive and lie to the lower Masons? Oh, yeah, oh, very very clearly. Uh, my book, uh, The Question of Freemasonry, um, which is available on our website at DeckerReport.com, uh, it's a very inexpensive book, but it just lays out all the information about Freemasonry and its separation from Christianity and, and its occult power, uh, and, and uh, it's, it's just like a five-buck book. It's not an expensive book. Uh, but I'm telling you, there is material that I have in there that, that just lays that right out. They say, you know, we are taught to deceive the lower levels. And the funny part about Masonry is that, so you go into that as an inter-apprentice and the and the Masons who are higher than you, they're deceiving you. They're not telling you what's really going on. You, Each time you go up a, a level, you learn a little bit more, and then you're deceiving the people below you. And um, it's like an occult downline of some kind. And then the higher you up you go, when you get out of the Blue blue Lodge, you find out, wow, those Blue blue Lodge guys are just walking around like like cattle in a, in a, you know, in a feedlot. Uh, they're good guys, and they're having good parties, and so forth, but when you get up to the higher levels of the 33rd degree, these guys are really in the occult. Was FDR and, a 33rd degree Mason? Pardon me? Was FDR a 33rd degree Mason? I don't think he was. No? Um, I'm not sure what his level was, to be quite frank with you. But, but there, have been, there have been reportedly presidents and Supreme Court judges and secretaries of war and so forth that were, were if not 33rd, certainly very high up in the Masons. Well, 16, Ma- 16 presidents have been Masons. And then, of course, we've had a few... Uh, in the Bush family, who were who were uh, members of the uh, uh, Skull and Bones Society, which is a, is a uh, even a higher, a tighter, more elite organization. Ed Decker is with us, and he is uh, the author of The Dark Side of Freemasonry. Also, what you need to know about the Masons. Also, uh, I, I want to point out, however, yes. there's a there's a black um, Masonry, and uh, uh, they ran a whole campaign and had a had a. Uh, at the inauguration, um, uh, Prince Hall Lodge uh, had a had an inauguration ball for for uh, our present president. And they had to form that because at one time blacks were excluded from being Freemasons. Is that is that the origin of? of... Well, not only were blacks excluded, Jews were excluded, blacks were excluded. I'm talking about the United States, right? But you also got to remember that uh, that. Um, Albert Pike, who was the basically the father of American Freemasonry, was also one of the founders of the Ku Klux Klan, and I had the opportunity to be speaking uh, to a number of leaders in the uh, in the Prince Hall Lodge uh, organization, and they were telling me how you know fine it was, and I you know speaking to them, why did you you know why do we have the uh, the, the, the Prince Hall Lodges of Freemasonry you know identical pretty much to the 
to the other to the regular ones. But why did you why did you do that? Well, you know, they were trying to say, well, look, it's because the blacks wanted to have their own special identity and so forth, you know, like the Black Caucus in Washington, D.C. And I said, no, that's not true. The reason why you weren't allowed to be in there, if you were a, even had a drop of black blood in you, you'd never get be a Mason. And I said, and how any black man could ever even want anything to do with masonry of any kind when, when uh, the guy who was the father of American masonry founded the Ku Klux Klan. How do they react when you tell them that? They just... <laughs> They kind of jump back and look at you, and they don't have any answer. Uh, a couple of guys get up and run out of the room. You know, I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, I, I was speaking at a Christian workers uh, organization, and and some guy um, in that crowd of Masons was sitting there in my front row, and he told me that uh, he was going to uh, expose me and uh, for my lies, and, and uh, I began speaking, and I made a comment. I said, and it had it something to do with my dad. And I said, you know, you think God doesn't see that, that paraphernalia that you have hidden in the bottom drawer of your dresser in your bedroom? And this guy jumped up and ran out of the building like he'd been shot with, a, with an arrow in his head. I mean, he went out that door. I mean, he just ran down this long corridor out between the chairs and stuff, down out the back door, and he was gone. And I thought, well, that's the end of that. And about... Forty minutes later, just as I was finishing up my question and answer time, the door bangs open. Here comes this guy with a box running in at the same speed that he ran out in and came on up and right at the stair, stairs going up to the podium area, he just dumped this box of garbage and paraffin, masonic paraphernalia on thing, threw himself on the floor and began weeping. My word. It turned that that's where his stuff was hidden. And he, he, a little he too close to the bone, Ed. Was word from God, and I was just actually... Maybe God used it, but I was just talking about my dad's stash. Ed, true or false, uh, that Masons at some level are they are required to swear an oath that they will never testify against another Mason in court? Yes, that's very true. And and uh, um, on my program coming up, I will do that. I'm, I think I might even have it here on my notes as I'm going to slip through it here. Um, uh, we go up into the higher levels, and they, they basically promise that they will never, all Masons above the third or master's degree are sworn to keep and violate the secrets of a brother, murder and treason, accepted up to the seventh or royal arch degree. However, in the oath of this degree, the candidate swears to keep all the secrets of companion of this, companions of this degree, murder and treason, not accepted. All Masons of and above this degree are swallowing bound to do this. The same is true of all the points sworn all the way up into this obligation and later on in the higher degrees oath does not exempt murder and treason now let me just uh, let me just emphasize that point in the higher degrees of the masonic lodge murder and treason are not exempted from that oath. In other words, you must not testify against another Mason who has murdered or committed treason. Listen, we have to take a time out, Ed. We'll be back on the other side. I've got some Masons waiting on the line, chomping at the bit, no doubt. And uh, are you good to take those calls? Yeah. Okay, we'll do that when we come back. The Conspiracy Show, my name is Richard Serrett. The world is being pulled over your eyes. 
This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740. Upcoming on the program, I'll speak with a professor of biology. This is a Ph.D. who has uh, published numerous articles in uh, peer-reviewed journals. Uh, He teaches uh, biology at a uh, Christian university, and he owns an exact replica of the Shroud of Turin, and he'll be uh, along to discuss what he um, has found regarding what is probably the the most studied artifact in human history or relic if you will is it a um, in fact the uh, the authentic burial cloth of Jesus Christ with evidence of a resurrection or is it a clever medieval forgery we'll discuss also uh, coming up on the 9th as we approach the 11th anniversary of the uh, September 11th attacks 2001 I'll speak with commercial uh, former commercial airline pilot uh, Phil Marshall uh, who has written a book called The Big Bamboozle, 9-11 and the War on Terror. That's up and coming, and you can check all uh, upcoming shows at richardserrett.com. Ed Decker stays with us as we discuss Freemasons. Uh, f- let's uh, let's go to the phones and uh, welcome William from Massachusetts. Hello, William. Welcome. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. You're on the line with Ed Decker. Yes, um... I, I noticed your guest mentioned earlier, you know, about uh, after the order of Melchizedek, and I don't know if it has anything to do with that. But uh, I know my dad and his dad before him were both Masons, Scottish Rite. And uh, my dad was 32nd degree the day he was installed as master at Cambridge Masonic Temple in Massachusetts. And I think I was like 13 or 14. But I remember as a child, every February, uh, it was around the time of like Washington or Lincoln's birthday, there would be like a ceremony at the temple and they'd have like a dinner. And, you know, you'd sit uh, in the room with the black and white squares and the seats on the side and stuff, you know, same as the night my dad was installed. And I think that was like an exoteric ceremony for us, you know, and then we'd have the dinner and the magic show for the family, and they'd have their, like, meeting, you know. And I don't know if there was anything evil to it, you know. Everything seemed normal to us when I was a kid. Are you a Mason, William? William, are you a Mason? No, I'm not a Mason. Okay. You know, I never knocked on the door, but I know... That's all you have to do. All right. So, uh, Ed, how do you respond to William, who, like a lot of people, say, listen, well, I went William, to the meetings, I son. You know, I, I was a kid growing up with it as, as well. So I, I'm familiar, and that was probably uh, uh, Washington's birthday celebration because he was, you know, the first president and, and, a, and, and a, an acclaimed Mason even to this day, and uh, even though he renounced it later on. But neither here nor there, uh, that was probably that and. When you're young and when you're watching these mystical things going on, this, the actual ritual itself is pretty benign because of the families present. But even in that, there are key words. You know, uh, that I notice that in almost every, well, I notice it in every cult group, an occult group, where they are faced with public uh, viewing, that words mean different things to the inner person there than what they mean to the regular person. If, if uh, like a Mormon says Jesus, you, 
initially think, hey, Jesus, that they're talking about Jesus. Well, they're talking about a Jesus who was born through an act of sex between Mary and God, and he is the brother of Lucifer. So the word may mean one thing to you on the face of it, but in, inside the ritual are buried words that have specific and special secondary meanings to the Masons present, and it'll go right over. It'll go right over the uh, the non-initiated head. They, you won't see that. It'll be kind of oh wow, look at all the funny costumes and the hats and you know and the sashes and all and the aprons and what have you. And that looks nice. And now we're having dinner and we're going to have some kind of a, a you know a entertainment. Uh, it's done very well that way. Uh, thank you for the call, William. I, 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 this isn't obviously a show about uh, the Mormons, although it's interesting, you know, given that Mitt Romney is um, running for president and is a very high-profile um, Mormon, but I was not aware uh, of that connection between Jucifer, J- Jesus and, and Lucifer in their faith. But uh, we'll, we'll leave that for another program. I'm sure Mormons would have uh, something to say about that. Uh, Richard will join us in Hamilton next, and Jennifer in Toronto, who said she was educated by Masons. Joining us on the line is Ed Decker from Parts Unknown. We'll find out why he's living in Parts Unknown before the hour is up as we discuss Freemasonry right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. The truth will set you free, but first, it'll really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Ed Decker is with us, The Dark Side of Freemasonry. Uh, you mentioned George Washington uh, earlier on, who was a Mason. Uh, interesting that he renounced it. I'd, I'd be curious to know why, but, but before you answer that, let me ask you, uh, I've heard it said that uh, we know that Washington, D.C., is, is laid out uh, to, to look like a, a Masonic uh, compass. What is the significance of that? Uh, I mean, the Washington Monument, of course, is an, you know, this obelisk, which is, a, some say, a Masonic uh, symbol. Uh, I've even heard it said that because so many of the early founding fathers were Masons, it's been suggested that the United States itself is a Masonic plot. What do you think of that, Ed? Well, it wasn't a plot uh, because the Masons were kindly people. They, they basically felt uh, that's why we're a republic. Uh, instead of a you know full-out democracy, the the uh, Masons who were involved in the layout of the you know and, and, and went, it wasn't an easy uh, process in the development of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and all those kinds of things and the Declaration of Independence. It was it was uh, it was a uh, it was a constructed thing and and uh, they thought that the the rules of Masonry. Uh, to make good men better and so forth and so on, and, and a universalist God. I mean, they they talk about you know you have to believe in a God, and and uh, uh, they talk about the altar of Freemasonry around which all believers of any kind of a God can gather together. They they laid out the the, the architect of the streets in Washington D.C. was a Mason from France and Lafont, and and they uh, laid out the square of the compass and the rule the. The, uh, uh, the the White House, uh, uh, all the different uh, uh, all the different tools of masonry are laid out in the actual streets of Washington D.C. And if they go to my website uh, uh, at DeckerReport.com, click on the Masonic symbol there, 
uh, and it'll take you to a, 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 a file that has about maybe a hundred different articles on Freemasonry, and one of them is called uh, uh, Satan's Door to America, the layout of Washington, D.C., and you'll see the picture of the map and everything else there that lays out the complete layout by Masonic ritual and Masonic control, the streets of Washington, D.C., but you mentioned at, at the lower levels uh, that you know these Masons are, were good people. They they wanted uh, the betterment of mankind. But I guess what we're preoccupied with tonight are those people at the higher level. What are, higher level, what, they, what do they want? What do they want, Ed? What do they want to well, do? You know, I, I was sitting I was sitting in a restaurant at, at, at a Tommy Bahamas or whatever. Not a Tommy Bahamas, a shirt, uh, Benny Hahan or something like that in in, in uh, Honolulu, uh, Hawaii, some years ago. And one of my daughters had gone to a radio station with me where I talked about Freemasonry, and she was talking at the table. And, you know, we're sitting around this big frying table where people are making the food and throwing it in the air and all that sort of stuff. And and there's a couple uh, in, in their 50s sitting on my side, on the side of it. I'm sitting there with my wife and my daughter. And so they're all spread around the table. And my daughter was talking about me being on the radio, and the guy says, what, what, what are you doing on the radio? And my daughter says, oh, he was talking about... The evils of Freemasonry, which I which she, I wish she hadn't spoken about, and so this guy looks at me, and the conversation on the table is going on. And he says, "You know what Palladian Masonry is?" And I said, "Yeah, I do. It's the Assassin Group." And he said, "Well, I'm a member of it." And he said, "I could reach across the table, kill you, and walk out of here before your head hit the table." And he just looked at me with the most evil look. And I said, try it. You know, come on, try it. And he just looked at me, and he and his wife got up and left. And when I was getting out, when later on we were, we were sitting there for, oh, maybe another hour, we left and went to get into our car, and he was standing there behind the car watching me the whole time and uh, just, just staring. And, and, my, uh, my, my. These guys are, are mind-boggling. There's evil in those levels. What is this assassin's um, um, sect called again? Palladium. 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 P-A-L-L-I-D. And do you believe I that they will. genuinely are trained in these deadly arts? Absolutely. Absolutely. So he could have done what he said he could do? Absolutely. Well, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, I, my, attitude, my attitude has always been because I've been shot at, beat up, poisoned, you know, uh, <laughs> run off the road so many times that I, I've lost count that I... That I that I either have to trust God to, that I'm doing what He wants me to do, otherwise, you know, I'm gone. So that's just kind of the way it is. I do take precautions, obviously, as you well know. Right. So, uh, the, so while the other the, the mainstream foot soldiers in in the Masons are busy uh, raising money for burn units in hospitals and sending kids underprivileged kids to summer camp, yeah. what are the what are the higher levels doing? Are they are they overthrowing presidents? Are they fermenting war? Are they fixing they're, they're, uh, they're, interest they're rates? Negotiating contracts. They're developing. Uh, you know, uh, power uh, groups within governments—they—they they are all over—they're all over the world, and and uh, I've run into them, and you know, dragged out of a meeting by a bunch of them in the Philippines, you know, one time to get killed and live through that. They—they're—they're uh, they're very powerful in the in the uh, police forces, for example. They're in the in the law and attorneys and judges in the United States are—you almost got to be a Mason to be one proper who can serve. And, and we're talking about. Oaths that, that 
that you lie and, and that you'll protect a, a fellow Mason, you go into a court of law, you give a Masonic sign of distress or, you know, come to the square with your feet or do, do some things um, in that jurisdiction and, and that judge knows you're a Mason, you got, you're, you're not going to get found guilty of anything. We had a case in, in uh, Seattle a number of years ago, a very high, prominent member of the industrial community community here in the Seattle area, whoops, I just kind of told you the area I'm in, and and uh, there uh, in the Seattle area, a guy owned a big manufacturing company, and he got caught sexually molesting a grandchild. Oh, my. And they brought him to court. He was caught cold, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This was a boy, not a girl. And so he went to court. The judge, the second day of the trial, came out and said, yesterday I did an XYZ, which was uh, improper for me to do, and basically because I did that, I have invalidated this trial, and he is released with no chance of being prosecuted again because of my error. And both were Masons, the judge and, and the accused. 33rd degree Mason. Oh, my. And the whole place went crazy over it, but the judge said, "That's I'm sorry, but that's what happened, you know. And he got censured by the State Bar Association, but he never, because the guys in the State Bar Association are Masons, he never was taken down as from being a judge, and the guy walked away totally clean, totally clear, nothing, zero. And that was a prime example of hiding the sin of a fellow Mason. Richards in Hamilton, thanks for holding on, Richard. Your uh, question, comment, Ed Decker. Uh, good, e- uh, good evening, uh, gentlemen. Uh, I'm a, a, a Blue Lodge uh, Mason plus a Red Lodge Mason, and some of the... Uh, um, I'm just trying to get my thoughts together. Uh, my apologies for that. But first off, uh, I first met uh, May, uh, two Masons, and I didn't realize there were Masons till. Years later, when I uh, joined the uh, uh, joined the lodge, uh, I had an uncle that was had terminal cancer, and these two gentlemen were businessmen, and they let him go because he was uh, um, too ill to work. But they every week they showed up to take him to the hospital or doctor's appointments, and and they were 33rd degree Masons, and the uh, part about uh, the uh, uh, the the oath and the penalties within them before uh, now the, before the the oath is given uh, the the oath is given the uh, they have they mention that it's only symbolic now it's not uh, actual any of those uh, penalties will not be done. Well, why would you swear them anyway, Richard? I mean, I, I can't, if, you know, particularly if you're a Christian, why would you violate what Jesus says? I mean, if you believe Jesus is Lord and he says that if you swear these oaths, that they bring, they come from the devil. And, and, and later on in James, it says that if you swear these oaths, blood oaths, these are what you call blood oaths, having your throat slit from ear to ear and your tongue ripped out by the roots as a blood oath. 
And if you swear that, it says it brings condemnation. And when you got your lambskin apron, you're told that it's going to, that you're covering at the great at the white throne judgment, which is the judgment of the damned, those dead not in Christ. Why would you? How can that be symbolic when it is it's coming out of your mouth? Hello. Yes, go ahead. Uh, uh, basically, I think it was just meant to uh, uh, to uh, scare people that. Uh, new members that the the oaths are not to be given out uh, so lightly, or and it's for uh, for supporting another Mason who uh, does wrong. The um, um, we've been told to obey the laws of the land and the or the country that we are either residing or visiting, and that includes telling the truth uh, before uh, the justice system. So. If another mason, uh, if I witness another mason doing something wrong, and I'm called as a witness, I have to tell the truth. Okay, Richard, uh, Ed, I think you've you've sort of stated that it's above a certain level, above the blue lodge, where you're actually sworn to to uh, protect another mason in court. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, it is. But yeah. that's neither here nor there. What he doesn't realize, though, is that by that he is that he's in what they call the outer court area, and where they're given the milk and not the meat. And so even though he, he, he's given these oaths, but then he's told that, oh, hey, you know, don't take them too seriously. You know, if you had a noose around your neck and you, you were blindfolded when you, when you went in through that door, um, uh, you know, and you were kneeling at, 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 a, at an altar uh, with a Bible on it, I hope, uh, and, and you were swearing his oath, it is not symbolic. All right, Jennifer is in Toronto. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Go ahead. Hi, I don't have a question so much as I just want to say that um, I get quite upset when I hear people downgrading the Masons because I was in England, my father was a Mason, then when he passed away when I was five, um, the Masons took on our education and everything was paid for right through through uh, university. And if ever we were in financial trouble, they were there to help us. And, I mean, you know, I get quite insulted when... Um, your guest is saying that uh, you know Masons are worshiping the devil and everything. I don't know whether the, the Masonic lodges in England are a lot different to here. I mean, I know we don't have the Shriners in England, but um, I think you know, um, in fairness to people that are Masons, that your guest should watch what he says and doesn't doesn't just come out and say that they're all Satan worshippers. Well, we don't. We're not asking Nobody anybody to say we don't want anyone to watch what they say, Jennifer. That has kind of an odious. Unless you know, I, I feel quite upset knowing what the Masons have done for me, and I'm sure that none okay. of them were were Satan worshippers or anything. Well, I think, but Ed has addressed that. He's been very careful to address the fact that 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 most Masons are good, honest people who have been as he says, deceived by these upper echelons of the Masons. However, your point is well taken, Jennifer, and I thank you for it. Uh, Ed, uh, just about... Oh, I, I appreciate her comments, and, I, you know, and I've seen a lot of really good stuff done by the Masons as well, and I'm not talking about this kind of thing, and, and uh, I'm talking about the fact, you know, and, and they swear, you know, to take care of the widows and the orphans, you know, and they do a pretty good job of it, and I'm not saying that's not true. I'm talking about this, you know, beyond the philosophical and the altruistic ends of this, I'm talking about the oaths and the, 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 the gut of it, which is anti-biblical, and, and it is demeaning of the, the, uh, the God of, of the universe, and their God is a God called Jobulon, a, a Jehovah, Baal, and Osiris, and my, you know, if you're a pagan, God bless you and have a great time, but if you're a Christian, get out of it, because the darkness is on the corners, you know, 
you go around the corners of the good stuff, and the darkness is always there. And I'm sorry it's that way, and it has nothing to do with your dad or nothing to do with my father or my grandfather or anything else like that. I'm talking about the theological aspects of the darkness that sits on top of Freemasonry. Just about out of time, uh, Ed. Are, are the Masons, the Freemasons at the higher levels again, tied in with uh, the Bilderbergs, for example? The Bilderberg? Group? Well, of course, that's all, you know, that's all kind of another another uh, program. <laughs> what, what you have here is, a, is, is that these men who are mighty and powerful in business and politics and you know, in industry and what and finances and things like that, these same men get involved in these other organizations as well. All right, uh, we uh, we're finished on that note, but we will have you back on and uh, uh, pursue this further at some point. Uh, Ed, uh, stay well and good talking to you again. Hey, that's a fast hour. I'll say, I'll say, but we got a lot of information out there, and I well, thank you for that. You. And, and remember, DeckerReport.com, you can get all the backup documentation of everything I say on my website. Nothing I say isn't backed up with Masonic data. DeckerReport.com. Thanks, Ed. Stay well. Have a good one. And, of course, you can stay updated on The Conspiracy Show at RichardSerrett.com. My grandfather got me started collecting coins way back when I was a boy. And after all these years, I still get a special kick out of holding a coin like the famous $10 gold Indian in my hand. Especially since millions of gold coins were melted down during the Great Depression. I was amazed when I heard the New York Mint was announcing the public release from its vaults of the highly sought-after $10 gold Indian, struck from 1907 to 1933. Well, I had to call. I mean... It's shocking that these coins even exist. Who knows how long they'll last or when they'll ever find anything like this again. And once they're gone, they're gone. So if you want to get your hands on one of these magnificent $10 gold Indians, you better call now. Don't miss your chance to own a valuable piece of American history. For free historical information and a free collector's DVD, call now. 1-800-943-1643. That's 1-800-943-1643. 1-800-943-1643.